welcome to DealCast, the M&A and shareholder activism and I guess ECM focused podcast hosted by Merger Market, Activist Monitor and Deal Reporter. I'm joined today by Claudia de Mulemeister and Will Mace. Claudia is a journalist with Activist Monitor and has recently scooped uh, some big stories on Amber Capital's exit from Asco Piave and on Columbia Threadneedle's call for Ferguson to keep its UK listing and on Solidium's campaign at Nokian Tires and its appeal for anybody, including Elliot, to uh, join its fight to push Nokian to change. And Will has led the way on a couple of feature pieces on shareholder activism being the tip of the iceberg, uh, as there's a lot more going on than we can see publicly, and uh, also on activist hedge funds increasingly taking stances on ESG, on uh, social governance issues at, uh, at various European firms. So uh, I want to start with uh, with Will uh, on your feature pieces, just looking at what the tip of the iceberg means and and uh, why there is so much going on below the surface. And perhaps if you can give us a glimpse into what really is happening that uh, maybe we don't see. Thanks, Dean. That's exactly what we try and provide at Activist Monitor is a, a sort of a glimpse at that large piece of ice under the water. Um, it might conjure a bit of a titanic illusion for, for listeners, and that's definitely what corporate thinking about when they're thinking about activism these days is, uh, you know, where are the risks out there coming from activists? Because it can really derail um, a lot of senior management plans. So we came out with our full year report in January, uh, which compared to last year does show a slight decrease in the total um, number of new live campaigns launched in the year. Uh, In 2018, that number was 67 new campaigns. In 2019, it was 58 new campaigns. So a slight decrease there. But what we are seeing is an increase in what we would call um, potential campaigns. There's a couple of different criteria that go into it, but typically it's where an activist has disclosed a stake but has not made any public demands or suggestions or or put any public pressure on on a company. Uh, And there are more and more examples of this, um, and that's what we, we track within our database and within our overall number to see where activists are, uh, and investors are actually having a, an impact on the market. Essilor Luxottica is a very special one um, because Third Point is reportedly invested in the stock, uh, although there has been no official uh, confirmation of their stake and there have been no official demands either. Um, however, Essilor Luxottica, uh, since its uh, existence, essentially, um, so it's a merged entity between the French Essilor and the Italian Luxottica, came together at the end of 2018. They've been going through quite some significant governance issues. Uh, Two years after the merger, there is still no CEO, for example. And rumor has it that Third Point might try to influence that process. Um, There are also a number of synergies that should be accomplished, which have not happened yet. So the market does think that uh, Third Point is there to actually get the two sides together and make things work. Um, And on top of that, there is another big acquisition that SLO Luxottica is doing, which is great. Grand Vision, Dutch headquartered company, and uh, this might only complicate the governance side even further. So, very interesting case, which we will definitely keep an eye on. And Will, what below the waterline is happening with passive managers, and what are they doing that we can't see in pushing for change at their holdings, which previously they probably would not have looked twice at? 
Passive managers are a huge force in the contemporary markets, but there's no such thing as really a true passive portfolio anymore because of the huge emphasis on on ESG, which we might come and talk to a little bit later. Even you know the most passive funds out of BlackRock and um, you know ETFs out of BlackRock and Vanguard, they can't just sit on the sidelines with companies that they see are really risking themselves socially or environmentally. Um, they have to be seen to be good stewards of their investments, even if they are passive funds. So that might mean excluding or engaging with the companies themselves. So we do have some competing trends here in terms of activism, at one end of the spectrum, hedge fund activism, but then the sort of the active ownership that's being practiced by passive funds, and then obviously in the middle you have you know active institutional funds as well. So there's a whole ecosystem which is feeding into each other, um, and activists will at the hedge fund end will use the active tendencies of other investors to their advantage in, in the coming years, I, I believe. And will whether activist funds or active funds or passive funds, what are some names that you can point us to in Europe that are getting involved in shareholder activism? Sure, yeah. I mean, we've had some interesting on-record interviews. We love to profile activists and, and, and other investors, institutional investors as well. So recently, we've carried interviews with Frankfurt-based fund called Shareholder Value Management. You know, they're multi-strategy uh, asset manager, not necessarily just activists, but they did uh, talk to us and uh, spoke at a conference in Frankfurt recently about their approach to activism. Um, they are based in Germany, but they actually have a lot of UK uh, investments. Uh, Mears Group is one which is seeing some activity at the moment. Um, in particular, Andreas Springer uh, mentioned that they like to have management that have skin in the game. So they want their management to, uh, and, and directors as well, if possible, to have shares in the company just as investors do. It makes management think more like an investor, and you, you often see this um, as a, something that's brought up by, by activists. Secondly, out of Czech Republic, actually, we spoke with uh, Krupa Global Investment, uh, which is managed by uh, Pavel Krupa. It, it seems a, a, a fairly small uh, operation, but very loud in terms of its, its press presence and its interest in different situations, even some that it isn't invested in. But it has jumped in the deep end, excuse the pun, uh, on a Muddy Waters situation, NMC Health, which attracted a, a short selling report from Muddy Waters a couple of months ago. NMC has gone in with a, a million share stake on the, uh, you know, w with an actual um, equity position, but the stock just keeps seeming to, to tank um, given some of the alleged accounting issues that are going on with NMC. That's a really interesting situation, but Krupa has been very, very active. Um, not so much in Europe, but Spring Owl is a, um, a US-based fund that is invested in Playtech, among others. And uh, I know, Dean, you have done some reporting, some really great reporting on that. We, we carried an interview with Spring Owl's Jason Ada recently on, on Playtech. Um, so we've really just been speaking, um, trying to get comments from the horse's mouth, because often, you know, newspapers can kind of gloss over some of the main issues. So we really try and get those guys on record. Now, Claudia, building on some of the great reporting you've done recently, I've mentioned already uh, Ferguson, but you've also looked at uh, Fiat Peugeot. What can you say about new campaigns that are just that are just emerging and, and where they might be headed? So as we mentioned before, our data has a slight decrease of uh, 
new active uh, in the public campaigns. But a lot of our reporting focuses as well on potential or pre-event campaigns. So where there are companies that have potential um, to be attacked or targeted by any form of activism, whether that's hedge fund related or um, institutional uh, activism. Uh, one of the more recent open campaigns uh, we can uh, talk about is Elliott's investment in Nokian tires, so a tire supplier in Finland. Uh, interesting case because the Finnish state has an important stake in that company. I have spoken to Solidium on the record for a number of times. Solidium tends to invest in companies that have a very um, Finnish component, uh, although they might not sound politically sensitive as such. Uh, Solidium is very keen to to maintain and to have a say in those companies that they feel um, should keep having a Finnish um, identity. Um, so Elliot's stake uh, in there is confirmed. Um, Solidium is happy to talk to Elliot as well, which we have confirmed on the record. Um, so this is definitely one to keep an eye on. Very interesting, uh, especially given the whole automotive sector is going through an interesting transition. Um, another one, uh, as you've mentioned before, is Ferguson. Ferguson is a FTSE 100 plumbing business. As far as Ferguson is concerned, there is an investment by Trend Partners, an American investment fund. Um, we are currently focusing on the potential of a shifting in listing. However, the company has already uh, confirmed to the market that it will demerge its UK business uh, called Wolseley. So essentially what would be left of Ferguson after that demerger is their uh, US business. Um, and the new appointed CEO is also uh, from the US business side. So naturally you would start thinking that the UK listing could be given up for a US listing. Uh, and that's what the board is currently considering. Um, we have confirmation from Columbia Threadneedle, which is a UK-US asset manager, um, who has openly talked to us about these options. And they would rather have a dual listing with a primary listing in the UK. Uh, that would mean that Ferguson is still part of the FTSE 100 and index funds here would be able to track it. That does, however, mean that Ferguson would not be tracked by the indices in the US. So that's the choice here. Um, market has it, however, that um, valuation multiples would be significantly higher on a New York US exchange than on the London one, especially given it is a US business after the demerger. So that is one that we um, will try to scoop more news on. And then the massive automotive merger, Fiat Peugeot, a year ago, uh, we were considering the Fiat Chrysler-Renault merger, which did not end up happening. And a few months later, it was announced that uh, the Agnelli family, uh, known for their Exor holding, was speaking to the French government and to Peugeot to proceed with another um M&A scenario. It seems all quite straightforward. The industry is going through a lot of change. In order to stay relevant, uh, the big automotive players need to co collaborate together and, and, and be ready for the energy transition, essentially. However, the terms of the deal are not pleasing some investors, among which a name uh, called Phytrust. Phytrust is a French-based ESG-led fund. It invests predominantly in the CAC 40. Uh, and they're definitely not happy with the terms given to the 
Peugeot shareholders. So um, they have a number of governance concerns that they have publicly stated. And uh, as far as, as we know, they're still waiting to get a reply from the board. So again, situation we're following closely, which we hope to have a lot of updates on very soon. Now, we've spent a lot of time looking at traditional value creation by activist investors, but there are also as we've alluded to earlier, activist shareholders engaging in ESG-focused campaigns. Now, Will, you, and also actually Claudia, I believe you've also contributed to our coverage of this. You have looked at how activists are now focusing more on ESG, and I'm wondering if you could detail this a bit for us. Yeah, well, there is a publicised focus on it from from some activists, including the likes of Value Act, again, out of the US, uh, has created an ESG-focused fund, uh, which is investing. But it is a little bit difficult to see where the crossover is between traditional profit-focused hedge fund activists and the sort of, you know, what is seen as a bit more altruistic um, ESG values of, of, of ESG funds. Um, you know, someone I, I spoke to recently interviewed uh, was, um, from the, the Church Commissioners of England, which is basically the investing body for, for the Church of England, Edward Mason. And he is very, very involved in, in ESG campaigns, particularly um, ExxonMobil, uh, again, a, U- a US company, and also supporting Climate 100 plus uh, negotiations with, with companies like Exxon to really get them to acknowledge um, their environmental impact and set targets, uh, especially around scope three emissions, um, the emissions of, of the, the customers that they sell their oil to. Although he's doing great work, he, he is severely frustrated over the past couple of years with the feedback that they get from those players like Exxon. There are some who are taking more action, like Shell and BP, um, with other environmental um, shareholder activists, uh, such as Follow This, but there's still a long way to go. And so when I spoke to Edward, he mentioned that he would like to actually connect with more shareholder activists on the hedge fund side, um, perhaps um, share notes in terms of how to get companies to play ball. Um, you know, he's, he's, he feels like he's tried everything he can and through official avenues, um, perhaps there's something that he can learn from from shareholder activists. So we published this call of his out to our subscribers and, and uh, I know that there's some interest from activists in connecting with him and, and just trying to see where they do have this crossover in terms of um, that. And obviously it's around, you know, environmental and social and, and governance um, issues really being a more imminent risk to companies with every passing day. So shareholder activism has, as we know it, been about realizing short-term value from a campaign. So what is the case for ESG if ESG is more justified on the grounds of long-term value? Yes, let's not forget, however, that the G of ESG has been used widely by activists. Um, So that brings along board changes, uh, people losing their jobs uh, because an activist campaign is successful essentially by um, not being happy with the amount of independent members on the board very often. And also the chairman role is very much a targeted role by activists. So ESG as such has been around for a long time. It's just a focus by hedge funds has predominantly been on the G. However, I think the conversation is changing in the sense that a lot of institutional investors these days are quite open about the fact that they do sit down with activist investors when they are invested in a similar stock. Um, They are willing to chat. Of course, the sort of results that come out of these conversations tend to stay confidential, but there is definitely a conversation going about how 
both active institutional investors and the sort of more hedge fund activists can collaborate to get their own certain situations. And more predominantly, I think the whole uh, climate-related disclosure is really having an effect because it resonates with everybody, really. So the E is is gaining momentum. There is a task force on climate-related financial disclosure that is very often used as a way for companies to disclose their carbon emissions and climate change exposure um, because, obviously, you know, it might hit you today or it might hit you in three years, but at some point the climate will definitely affect a number of companies, especially in specific sectors. So that's definitely uh, something to keep an eye on. But also be very careful about the greenwashing that happens around ESG. The data, unfortunately, is not yet what it should be. Um, Everybody in the field will tell you that. It's both about making sure that disclosure is increased and the data is being optimized, but also making sure that the financial risk that comes with being exposed to certain ESG factors is really calculated properly. And, um, And they're essentially... Um, activist hedge funds and more institutionalized investors should be aligned. And now looking ahead, we just over the weekend found out about a stake being opened in Hugo Boss. And I'm wondering what you can tell us about this as the next big activist situation on our radar. So Hugo Boss is a really interesting one. Bluebell Capital Partners is a relatively new activist. Uh, they were sort of more on the advisory side. They're based in London, um, but uh, you know Italian uh, nationals. And they invested alongside Elliott and Telecom Italia, actually, was, was something that we were tracking. And that was a couple of years ago. That investment, I think they might have sold out of that. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, can, I can go on record saying that. Um, as have uh, many other investors because it's, um, it's, it's a long-running campaign at Telecom Italia. But they have gone out on their own uh, and invested in more situations, and including Hugo Boss, we have just found out, as you said. Um, interesting one, this, because we had been tracking it since 2016, actually, not as a live campaign, but as a perspective, because, uh, and I know that Dean did some great reporting on this, um, you know, those years ago, has been a bit of a long one to come to market, but um, we definitely flagged that... Hugo Boss could be an activist target uh, in the in the medium to long term. It was really looking for a turnaround. Um, it's obviously retail and, and, and fashion retail is a very difficult sector. Perhaps Dean, you want to talk to that, but I believe that the turnaround hasn't come hasn't come quick enough. And Bluebell has seen the opportunity now to give the company a little bit of advice in terms of operational expansion and off record the piece that, that we have seen. Um, they've quoted some anonymous sources in Milan as saying that they would target board and management changes as well, although that's not come directly from from Bluebell. So we, we will look to update that situation in, in every minute detail that we can. Um, it's definitely an exciting one going forward. Yeah, so we have plenty of coverage to come on on this situation especially and will i'd like to thank you for joining us today and you claudia and you at home for listening you can find a description of today's episode in the show notes and please tune in next time thank you thank you thanks Thanks.